Welcome to Unapologetically Asian, the place where we talk about navigating through adulthood as Asian Australians. Today, you're joined by Tiana, Twee, and Remy. Remy, Remy, Remy. Charismatic, charming, and full of vibrant energy are a few ways to describe this talented Asian Australian actor. Remy has appeared in a multitude of films across the board, with stellar performances as Prince Jingmin from the Netflix series Marco Polo, casted as Nick Young's movie-making cousin Alistair Cheng in Crazy Rich Asians, scored a role as Brad Davis in Marvel's Spider-Man Far From Home, and in one of his most recent roles alongside co-lead Vanessa Hudgens, played the main male lead named Peter in Princess Switch 3. On top of his successful acting career, Remy spends his time chefing it up in the kitchen, cooking delicious meals, and takes on photography in his spare time. With so much content to chat through, we've decided to split our fantastic conversation with Remy into two parts. So if you'd love to hear more, tune into our podcast for the second half of our wonderful conversation with Remy. And without further ado, here is part one. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. As you may have heard from our introduction, we've got a special, special, special guest today joining us. Welcome to Unapologetically Asian, Remy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and chatting to you guys. Love. Now, first things first, um, I know we kind of spoke a little bit about this off air. Um, but how are you feeling, Remy? Because <laughs> we've had we've had a couple of we've had a couple of spanners in the works, to say the least. Can we can we get the big size out now? Just like a big. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> but we made it happen, and th- and we that's are, all that yeah, matters. We're here. But Remy, how are you? We we know that you went on a fun camping trip. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a great <laughs> camping trip amongst friends, and I ended up bringing back I don't know another little parasite with me or something. <laughs> oh, <laughs> little visitor, little yeah, visitor. Yeah, wasn't wasn't feeling too crash up for a little bit, but look here we here we are. You know, we've we've made it. We're alive. We are thriving <laughs> in the age of the pandemic. Yeah, we are. We are. What did you do? Did you drink like river water or something? Because I've done the mistake of doing that once, and I almost died. I got I got there pretty late with a friend and everyone else had kind of already set up camp and um there was some you know it was dark and when you just like pull pull meats off the um off the campfire that and you and you are not really like looking at how well they've been cooked I'm I'm guessing I'm guessing that was probably <laughs> oh, no. you know and yeah as as someone who loves to cook as someone who like loves food I'm also like hyper aware about policing other people's cooking you just don't want to be that guy right you, you don't want to be that person who's like always looking over the shoulder and like, how are you doing that? How you do, ooh, has that been on for how, like how long? So I was like, you know, just, just shut up and just eat it. And like, yeah, it turns out, mm. turns out I can't trust anyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Remy. So you are an Asian Australian actor. And you've worked on many, many amazing projects across the years. Um, So we just wanted to kind of flip it a little bit. So if Twee and I were producers, we were directors. Okay, so we're we're in, we've got, we've got our suits on. We've got our cameras out ready to go. Am am I auditioning? I didn't remember my lines. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And we were like, okay, Remy, we want to direct a movie about you. Okay, it's all about Uh... you. Where would we begin? Tell us a bit about how could we develop this script. You know, like tell us about how you grew up. Uh, look, I, so if you want to start with my story, I was I was born in Malaysia in in a you know in the town of um, Kota Kinabalu. 
which is on the island of mm-hmm. Borneo in Sabah. It's beautiful. It's 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 very lush and green. And anyone who who's been there would can really speak to its beauty. But uh, you know, if we're rewinding before I was born, my parents met in a share house in Glebe in Sydney in in the seventies. My my dad was studying here. My mom was going to teachers college, and I think like. What a time. What a time that would have been. Sydney in, Sydney in the <laughs> 70s. Yeah, we can skip yeah. forward a little bit. I was born in Malaysia and we left when I was like two or three. And my dad got a job in Papua New Guinea in a coastal village wow. town called Medang, which is sort of on the, on the north uh, east of PNG. I mean, I can say this because, you know, growing up and, and living, living that experience through the eyes of a child, you know, and, and having no other point of reference it was so beautiful. It was an absolute mm. paradise. No TV, electricity's off and on every other day. Actually, what we did do for TV was um, my grandparents who were in Sydney at the time, uh, this is like in the very, very early 90s, late 80s, telling you this right now, we started the first Netflix. Oh, you, know, you know how like before streaming was a thing for Netflix, they were doing like mail order DVDs. Well, my grandparents would mail us the TV guide and my sister and I would get a highlighter and we'd like highlight the shows that we like, like Play School or Roger Amjet, all this kind of stuff, <laughs> all these cartoons. And we'd mail it back to them and then they would like record it onto a VHS and then post the VHS. And we would just watch these tapes until the magnetic strip wore out and they went all fuzzy again and then we'd, then, then we'd repeat the process. <laughs> so oh that was our... God. That was our only, like, sort of way of, like, touching civilization, really. <laughs> yeah, so I spent five or six years in PNG, and then we moved to Australia. And that was culture shock, you know, as, as, mm. as, as a kid who, like, geez, I mean, we lived on a dirt road. We didn't have an address. It was really overwhelming. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm, mm. I, I went from a school that was probably had 50 or 60 kids in the entire school. Now I'm in like a school with like a thousand kids and yeah. you know, no one knows your name. And, and it was it was pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy. Damn. Were you kind of like, did you come back into like the city area? I went to school in Bankstown, oh, okay, which is in yep. Sydney's, Sydney's mm-hmm. Western suburbs. You know, I'm like super, super multicultural out there. But at the same time, I remember feeling like, you know, I, I went to an international school in Papua New Guinea. So I was going to school mm. with um, PNG mm-hmm. kids, New Zealand, Australian, German, Swiss, American, English, you know, you name it. We were like from all around the world. And this was kind of just, you didn't question it. It was just normal. Yeah. I do remember um, my first six months in Australia. And it was a very lonely and alienating experience because for the first time I didn't fit in. And, you know, I had a really funny, weird accent. I'm Asian, but what kind of Asian are you? That, that was kind of the thing, yeah. right? Like, I remember the Vietnamese kids all stuck together. And, you know, I'm not Vietnamese. And all, all the Hong Kong kids, you know, I don't speak Cantonese. I don't speak Mandarin either. And, like, so everyone had all these, like, dividing lines. And for a good couple of months, I, I just remember, like, eating every lunch alone. <laughs> really, really sad. Um, but, yeah, that was, that was kind of, like, my first entry into Australia and having to learn very early on to forge an identity because mm. people are going to do it for you. And I, and I think I learned that lesson really early on that you've got to know who you are. Sorry, remind, remind me again, how old were you when you were feeling I was in I, first or second grade. So I was about like wow. maybe about like six or seven. That is seven really years. young to have to go through that and to feel different or to feel 
I guess, othered in a way mm. as well. Like yeah, and look, I think, you know, that a lot of people can at many times in their life, regardless of where you come from, we can all pinpoint a time when we've felt othered, when, when we feel like we don't belong. And, you know, I think mm. you're right. Like, it was very young and... <laughs> Yeah. You know, like, oh, God, you know, I did. I, I felt really, really lonely. But, um, you know, I look back on that experience as a, a, a positive learning experience, because, again, like it, it, it taught me to be really sure about who I am and where I come from. Then we moved to Queensland. So I spent some time growing up as well in in Townsville and Townsville, you know, far north Queensland. It's like, <laughs> like the Texas of Queensland. It's yeah. I, I love I love how like. Oh, yes. In America, you've got the South, but in Australia, we've kind of got the North. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you must like have that. really stuck out. Like a sore thumb. Did you ever come across like the whole Pauline Hanson? Yeah, yeah, of stuff? course. Of yeah. course, you know, she, she's she's Queensland. Oh, my God. Mm. Yeah, that, gosh, didn't that colour a lot of the, the, the 90s political landscape and and, and and cultural discussion of Australia, some some crazy redhead who was getting all of this airtime for, for spewing absolutely um, divisive hatred. What's sad is that she's still around and we still have yeah, to I talk know. about I know. her. You know, it's, it's, isn't it horrible that, that we're talking about Pauline Hanson both in the past and the present, like she's still somehow relevant? How many kids would, would say things like, you know, ching chong and go back, go back to where you came mm-hmm. from? And this is all kind of spurred on because you have someone in the limelight who is normalizing this kind of yeah. language and geez mm-hmm. we've we've seen it you know again obviously with Donald Trump in America on world stage and how dangerous these kinds of messages can be and the sort of path that it can lead us down but with every with every Pauline Hanson with every sort of um politician who you know sort of grandstands on on some populist kind of soapbox. There are some really wonderful stories in the world. It was just uh, last week or the week before that um, Sesame Street had their first Asian Muppet. And man, I cried when I saw that. I was like, oh, this is so awesome. And, you know, if we're talking about the power to impress upon young people positive messaging, I think, you know, what great stories they're going to be able to tell and preach a message of of inclusion and teach kids to be curious about each other's differences instead, Mm. instead of fearing it, you know. I guess something um, unique to your situation is that do you feel like you have a sort of dual identity being half Asian and then? Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole other ballgame, but it's all part of the experience. No, 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 no. Sorry, this is a really good question, but I kind of half started a race war on Twitter today. Oh, no. It's about this. So, like, stay away from my Twitter feed, guys. It's it's, it's a dumpster fire out there. I casually tweeted something about the sort of race. Now, look, I, I need to preface this with, do I have a dual identity? No, I'm me and my identity is whole. And I do believe that you can be mixed race and you can have a completely whole identity. Since the day I was born, I'm Asian, you know, and I've, I've grown up Asian. I'm as Asian as anyone else out there. And yeah, you know, like I, I also have a European background and I recognize that with that comes a privilege there absolutely is privilege associated with proximity to whiteness, with um, how we're perceived within the industry as well. I mean, look, we haven't even touched on that. It's absolutely 
no secret that for a long time and, and still occurs today, you know, and, and this isn't just uh, limited to, to casting within the Asian diaspora. This is, you know, the, 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 the African community, um, mm. the Latino community, that, that we have seen preference afforded to lighter skinned individuals, you know, and this is a conversation, conversation that absolutely needs to be had. We do need to address it. You know, we can't pretend that it doesn't exist. But my God, did I start a fire on Twitter today when I decided to wait. <laughs> yeah, take it from me, guys. Never, never start a, a discourse about race on Twitter. Nothing good will come from it. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think the podcast forum is great because we can discuss the nuance, but exactly, 140 yeah. characters, it ain't it. No, it is not enough. <laughs> no. Things get lost in translation. People are like, you know, taking each single word that you say like verbatim. And it's like, no, this requires heaps of discussion and like yeah. more language more than 140 characters exactly what you're saying i think that there, there are some people out there and i think it's a, it's a minority they can be a very vocal minority at times but there are some people out there who sort of seek to um diminish the the identity and the the accomplishments of of people who are mixed race you know and that there's a lot of like sort of racial gatekeeping um, that goes on. I mean, when I say there's a lot, it, it's really sort of confined some dark, dark corners of the internet. But um, yeah, it just got to me today. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to stand by this. I'm, you know, I'll, I want to say something about it. Yeah. Again, don't try racial discourse on Twitter. It never ends well. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Remy, I think like one of the reasons why we really wanted to ask you that mm. is because we've got members of our audience and listeners who have written in and they've spoken about how their experiences growing up mixed race yeah. as well. They've had this push and pull between, yeah. you know, feeling are they Asian enough? Totally. Are they, you know, are they not Asian enough? And oh. kind of feeling that push and pull. Like mm. you are very, you, and you seem very proud and very strong in your identity and, and mm. you own it. But I'm just curious, has it always been that way? Or did you ever kind of grapple with like, mm. you know? That's a really good question. Um, that's a really good question. I hear the experiences from, from some of your listeners. And I think that that is something that a lot of mixed race people will all go through and, you know, potentially like go through for, for the rest of their lives. Like, what is my experience in, in, in the world like? And who do I belong to? And I think it's okay. Mm. I think it's really okay to have those questions. And as long as, as, as you do sort of center back and go like, I belong where I belong and, and you can mm -hmm. be as Asian as you want to be. And I don't think that anyone, anyone has the right to take that away from you or tell you otherwise. But from my own experience, no, I, I was, you know, this is how, how I was raised and I was raised with, you know, a very strong identity of who I was. And, I, and like I said, that, that sort of experience about coming to Australia and I don't really like bringing it up so much, but um, because, you know, it's, it's something that I have work to move past but I did experience like a lot of racism a lot of really out in the open straight up racism in my first years of living in this country and I think it just made me double down I've always been very stubborn <laughs> you know I've, I've always been like a really really stubborn person and rather than making me ashamed of like who I was I was like no you're you're wrong I mean hey you're a racist so yeah you're wrong but like <laughs> B, it made me prouder to be who I was mm. and like oh. yeah sorry to bring it again back to back to Twitter someone was like <laughs> someone said to me they were like oh yeah like like that Remy he got he he brags about being white all the time and it's like what the hell hey, you know you you don't know me but like um, for, for context like I remember being um you know being being beaten up at school and 
because, you know, because of the color of my skin or whatever. And what did I do? Like the next day is um, I, I went and told the office that, you know, they were printing out like our school jerseys and you have your like your name on it. And I was like, my last name is He, which is a Chinese name, but it wasn't Chinese enough for me. I wanted my Chinese name, Xian Kong, printed on the back there. Like, <laughs> you know, given the middle finger, it's like, yeah, this is, this is who I am, unapologetically Asian. Oh, Remy. Yeah. We love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a different experience because, like, when I was growing up, I, I rejected that side, like, the Asian side of me. Yeah. I tried so hard to assimilate to, like, white culture. Yeah, and, and here you are being unapologetically Asian from day dot. <laughs> I love that. No, but, you know, so I, cool. I don't think that you can ever really discount that, 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 that experience either because that's mm. something that is so, so normal. And I think that a lot of people... Do, do go through it, you know, and, and I think that, yeah, a lot of people have to go through it. And yet here we are on this incredible podcast, you know, talking about like how proud we all are. It's, it's really sweet and it's awesome. Oh. Different, so many, so many different unique experiences on the spectrum. It's crazy. If you fancy yourself a sweet, refreshing treat, our lovely friends at Scoopy, Melbourne's go-to Bingsy joint, are offering our listeners a cheeky 10% off all their orders at their two stores. They have one in the heart of Melbourne on Guildford Lane and in Glen Waverley. So just use the code UA10 at the checkout for 10% off. Please note the offer is subject to change, so remember to check in each episode for the fresh new code. Woo! Thanks, Scoopy. We love y'all. You know, a big reason why we wanted to make this podcast in the first place is because when we were growing up, we would see little, if any, Asian voices or stories being reflected in the media. And so we, we felt like a huge void for a very long time um, to see someone like us or to hear someone like us in this space. Um, however, in the last couple of years, we've seen a rise. We've seen a rise, we've seen a revolution, and it's been amazing. And I think in particular, something worth noting is that we've seen a rise in a lot of Asian male leads. You know, this year alone, we've seen the first Asian Marvel superhero leads and um, we've seen in Shang-Chi, yep. but also in the Eternals as well, yep. kicking mm-hmm. ass. Yep. We've seen Jimmy O. Yang um, as a rom-com lead in Love Hard, Shout which out, I Jimmy. watched the other day. So Shout good. out, Jimmy. He's so good, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it was so Love good. <laughs> and, <laughs> and of course, we cannot... It would be remiss of us to not mention yourself as well as a male rom-com lead in The Princess Switch, which I also watched the other day. <laughs> and you were fabulous in oh, that. Thank you. We, ha- we have to have a talk about your accent afterwards as well, actually, yeah. because, yeah. you know, I'd love to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, like in, in saying all this, we've had so much progress and we've got this rise, um, it would appear, of Asian male leads. And so we just wanted to ask you about your perceptions of how there's been this shift, right? So I guess Mm. Twee and I have spoken about this on the podcast Mm. before about how I guess a lot of movies in the past, you'd see your Asian female male roles and they would be a very niche or Mm. typical stereotype, like, you know, the nerdy kid or therefore being the butt of the joke. Very whitewashed down in some cases. Exactly. Very emasculated. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. For the males, it it was very emasculating or, um, you know, they would kind of feel not desirable or attractive. And for Mm. females, they would feel overly fetishized. But yeah, we were just wondering, being an actor yourself, how do you feel that this has kind of shifted? It's been a seismic shift, hasn't it? It's crazy to think in this, you know, day and age that we're living at, that we're seeing so many diverse faces on our screens. I think it's brilliant. It's, you know, it's a fight that we've all been um, chipping away at for a long time, even, you know, before my time that been, you know, actors of 
Asian heritage, you know, generations beyond who have like really, really fought hard and hard. And it's crazy that it's happened so quick, you know, mm. um, it really almost feels overnight. Like when I started out as an actor and this is uh, probably going back like 15 years, I, I think about the roles that I was going out for. And it's exactly as you described. It would be for, you know, oh, he's he's uh, he's from Hong Kong. He's a gambling addict. And can you do an accent? Uh, this guy's just mm. like an IT nerd can mm. can you do an accent and um or you know a 7-eleven 7-eleven operator oh, can you do an accent geez. oh you know oh, there was uh, there was one terrible terrible one as well um that was kind of like oh, i was like a, a a thai lady boy role and you know this is this is a long time ago but even then i was like this is so wrong and i'm and i'm thankful that i didn't get that part you know mm. because then I really would have had to struggle between asking myself, you know, oh, do, do I take it? Do I not? I know it's wrong, but like we all want to get a foot into the door. And, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. not all representation is good representation. You know, that's the main difference is, is what we're seeing here is it's not just about what's in front of the camera. I mean, yeah, we're seeing all these incredible, sexy Asian male leads who, who are being allowed to take the spotlight and shine. But for the most part, um, I think that a large part of this shift is because we are allowing ourselves to tell our own stories. And this is behind the scenes. Who is writing this? Who is producing this? And we're seeing a lot of power now being being given over to pe- to people of color in the writers room to be to being given over to people of color you know in 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 the producing game. And you know, I I I think that's where authentic stories get told. I think that's where we see things that that really, really resonate because we're not just, you know, I mean, like actors are sometimes referred to lovingly as meat puppets in the industry. <laughs> Warm props. <laughs> I know, you know. Explain, yeah. please. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's, that's just, uh, that's, that's a little inside gossip. We, 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 can, we can be the face all, all we like, but if, if, if the scripts that we're reading aren't authentic and if they aren't being told from a place of truth then you know what I I don't have an interest in playing that character I don't have an interest being a Mm -hmm. part of your project if yeah you've got a diverse cast but like if the rest of your production company is not then that's a serious red flag and some of the best stories that that we're seeing now is is because of the shift that's also happening behind the camera and we're seeing such a huge wealth Mm -hmm. of talent um, rising up, you know, some really, really brilliant Asian writers and producers and directors. No, it's so mm. heartwarming, isn't it? Because I think recently there was a story about mm. um, Kim's Convenience and about how a lot of the actors and actresses behind that came out to say, you know, we we needed more Korean or more Asian voices in yeah. the writing room because a lot of the time the actors weren't given, you know, the three-dimensional stories mm. that they deserved. I think what's amazing from that instance, though, is that the more awareness that is being raised about how important it is to have Asian voices not only, you know, in front of the camera but behind the camera, as you said, Remy, right. um, it just it just goes to show that there is appetite for it, isn't there? There is appetite for authenticity. Yes, there absolutely is. And, and I love that you, you know, brought up that word with awareness because with awareness brings accountability and it comes back to like how mm. fast things are moving mm. right now because uh, Kim's Convenience is a recent show, right? But like in its first season, how many years ago was that now? Was it like five years ago of its first season? And that kind of a, a culture on a show like that, which should be 
completely all-encompassing, a very holistic from the ground up show that embraces diversity in all facets. That wouldn't happen if, if Kim's Convenience was starting today, right? Like that story wouldn't be happening if it was today. That's so true. Given the, how quickly things are changing, do you reckon within the Australian media or landscape <laughs> in particular, yeah. Are there more opportunities for? Oh, that's that's a hard one, you know, yeah. because uh, no, <laughs> I'm gonna. No, I'm, 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 I do have to call call um, the Australian entertainment industry out a little bit here, and mm. say that like, we, look, I mean, I know that we follow trends. We we always do. Um, I think that we've been a little bit slower on on this uptake, and because I'm not just talking about what I do as an actor, but like, my God, sometimes I turn on the major network TV news. And why is every single newscaster the mm. same colour? I mean, you know, unless you're watching SBS mm. news uh, or, you know, or ABC yeah. news, wh- exactly. where, where is our diversity? You know, I mean, like I, I think Waleed Ali does some great stuff on the project. But, I, you know, if you look at the stats, there are some great organisations who have really done a deep dive in, into the stats. And it shows that within like the Australian media landscape, diversity is still lagging incredibly so I think some I think some big changes need to happen in Channel Seven and Channel Nine, and it's and again it's not just about what's in front of the camera. It's not just about who's on your TV show because I look I I really want to see um, more people of color behind the scenes. You know I I know I know you spoke to mm-hmm. a Benjamin Law recently, and he has single handedly changed so oh. much so much in our industry. You know I think we need more people like him um we need more people like like cory chen but it's also like you're you're constantly feeling like you're getting pushed back and being told no that there's all of this this gatekeeping nonsense going on because you know quote unquote you're untested you're untried he's unbankable this that the other when what we've seen like around the world is is that these are all bunk concepts you know we've got the receipts the box office receipts to prove it that diversity behind the camera and in front Mm. equals great returns because you're just opening your stories up to a much wider audience and and people have this appetite for it if you're brave enough to give it to them and i don't think that the australian major tv networks at the moment are being very brave Honestly, after we record this episode, we need to send them away. <laughs> make them, give them timestamps of, you yeah, know, yeah. listen to this part of the podcast and listen. Like there's opportunity here. You're full not yeah. to make it up. Remy, you kind of spoke a bit about your um, journey into acting, right? For those young Asian actors who want to approach the scene, what kind of advice would you have for them? Um, especially since you said it, it can be a tough industry. My advice would be never feel afraid to ask questions and, you know, to seek out actors who you admire and love. I mean, you know, maybe don't shoot for Nicole Kidman. Um, granted, she's going to be busy. <laughs> but, you know, when, look, when I, when I was starting out and a big part of my journey towards becoming an actor was, was going to the theatre. You know, my mum would take me to the theatre all the time and um, I would just love it. And she'd always say, you know, like if you, if you hang out behind the stage door, you can, you can catch the actors on the way. I was so shy. I was like, oh, no, no, no. Mm. But, but she did. She pushed me. And I'll never forget, I had some of the best conversations with some really incredible actors who, who gave me some very, very good advice. And I guess 
that would be my advice is, you know, never, never feel afraid to reach out because you would be surprised at, at the generosity of some of the people in, mm. in, in our industry. You know, we all want to see each other succeed. We all, we all want to help, help each other out. And um, there's nothing greater than for me than seeing another young Asian Australian who says, I want to be an actor because if I'm being completely honest, it's one of the reasons, one of the really big reasons why I wanted to be an actor. Because like you guys, you know, growing up without seeing any kind of representation on our screens, then like I wanted to to do my part in changing that and hope that in some way through my career, I might be able to serve as an inspiration for someone else who goes, well, hey, wait a minute, I didn't think I could do it, but I've just seen someone who did. Maybe I want to do that too. And yeah, you know, like it's a very close-knit community. We all like helping each other out. All right, so we talked a bit about, you know, your acting. I think we kind of want to dive into about, um, dive in more into the life of an actor and what mm. that's like. Tiana and I Ooh. work your typical <laughs> office jobs, nine to five, but... Um, what is the acting life? What is the like? acting life like? What what is what is the day in the life of Remy He? <laughs> acting life is like you doing a lot of not acting. <laughs> even even you know some some of like the hardest the hardest working um, out of all of us. But you still I th- I think honestly that the hardest thing about acting is really like what do you do when you're not working? How do you keep yourself? And this is this isn't just a question for mm. actors. I think this is a question for all artists. It's like what do you do to keep that creative motor, mm-hmm. that creative engine ticking over? Like how do you constantly feed yourself? And I think like one of the traps for a lot of like young actors is it's like everything's about acting. Oh, I've got all the acting books. I do all the acting classes. All I talk about acting, acting, acting. And it's like okay, well that's cool, but like is the character you're playing an actor? Because I can tell you right now that no one else gives a shit about acting. <laughs> you know, like, if you're not an actor, you don't give the slightest, like, anything about acting. And and so really what you should be doing is trying to uh, inspire yourself and, you know, whatever that means to you, whether it's reading or going to exhibitions and galleries or gigs or traveling or, you know, trying new food and just meeting new people. That's actually, like, a, a key piece of advice that, that, I, that I give to um, any young actor. It's like, yes, we, we have a craft. We've got a skill set and tools that always need to be sharpened and honed. And you should be going to acting classes. You should try out for acting schools. You should be doing all of these things. But also, don't forget about, you know, what makes you unique and what can you bring to a character? When, when I'm not acting, I always take in photographs. I really, really love living through the lens of my camera. That's another way that I can tell stories. And it's like, if I'm not being paid by someone else to tell their stories for them in a movie or in a play, then I can tell my own stories. And it's, it's, it's through photography. That's like a really, really big outlet for me. You know, it used to be traveling. <laughs> Remember that. Remember the uh, yeah. good old days. Yeah. <laughs> what was that like? Yeah. What's that like? Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> during the last lockdown, I've been trying to stay really active and healthy body, healthy mind, all that. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, it's no, I, 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 think, I think that a big part of acting is counterintuitively what do you do when you're not acting? And I think everyone's got to answer that for themselves. But um, mm. yeah. Honestly, I've always had a lot of respect for actors because I guess like with Twee and I we have a routine right Mm. so we're like okay Mm. we know we have to like log on at this time we know we have to log off at this time but I feel like with acting it's like you constantly are having job you're like an audition is a constant Mm. job interview isn't it yeah yeah and and they come with 
like no no warning at all so like often people ask me like oh you know like what are you doing this week or or this month and I'm like I live my life in 48 hour increments <laughs> because <that's, laughs> you know you, you, you can get like like uh like I got yesterday I got uh 10 pages uh to learn for for a show that I'm really excited about and you know I I've, I've got to do it tomorrow morning so oh, like shit. you know <laughs> what, what, what do we do it's like you whatever you had planned you've just got to be able to cancel <laughs> sometimes at the drop of a hat and just be like throw yourself into that um yeah so it's it's exciting but it, and it's very unpredictable um but I love it so fast paced isn't it and then the, also the fact that like you'll have you have opportunities that you're going for and then you know I've heard like there's so many rounds as well like for an example mm. between I like some jobs that we have when we get out of uni we know there's like multiple rounds to mm-hmm. then get the job offer but I can also imagine that you know within Hollywood itself there are many many rounds and chemistry yeah. tests and you know things Look, that you have to do to get to the final there's there's no telling so that there was there was a movie that I um auditioned for six or seven times I can't remember but it was over five wow. months six or seven, it's it's the most I've ever done and like I was like wow I was almost in tears by then. I was like, why don't they want me? Like, what's wrong with me? But it was, it was like oh. just a really big project and they, and they were trying to like just make everything work. So, and that was, that was my first big, big audition um, straight out of drama school. And I did get it, but it was like a really, really long process. Like, oh my God, five yeah, five months. months. My yeah. gosh. And then, you know, I contrast that with, with Spider-Man. That was a tape that I almost never handed in because they needed it <gasps> oh by, this was like it came in super last minute. They needed it by Friday. And I just, I, I couldn't make it happen. And, and no one was available to help me like read the other person's lines and I was oh like, oh, gosh. boy, I'll do it over the weekend and I'll get it on Monday. I know it's not great. But then I spoke to a friend in L.A. and he was like, oh, no, the, the, the callbacks are being held in the room like in, in America. Like right now, I was like, oh, that's why they needed it on Friday, because they're holding in-room callbacks and they just wanted to see a tape from me. Like, I'm, this, this isn't going to happen. This is not mm. going my way. So, I, yeah, I, I really thought like, well, this has absolutely flown the coop. But then over the weekend, I didn't want my agents to think that I was just like being lazy and, and, you know, not, not doing the work. So I was like, if anything, I'm going to just do the tape over the weekend, even though it's late, no one's going to see it. No one's going to care. At least my agents can't be like, oh, you know, you know, I've I've got a reputation to uphold here. So so I I record the tape. I put it in on, on the Monday and, uh, they received it. And then on Tuesday it was like, oh, geez, this is no, the, the, they're really responding to the tape. Wednesday, it was like, you've got the role. Thursday oh was negotiations. God. Oh my god! Friday was pack your bags. You've got to fly really? plane out. Did you know it was for Spider Man? I knew it was for Spider Man, but they were fake lines. It was a fake audition script, and they didn't tell me what character I was going to play. They couldn't. Oh. They they couldn't tell me what I was going to do. All they said was, "You're going to be filming for like half a year in five different countries." Do you want to do it? Yes or no? Holy if you say shit. yes in 48 hours, you've got to get on a plane to London. And um, we'll show you the script then. Uh, wow. And it's like, what are you going to do? This is how movies like Hostel happens. Like, I don't, I don't think that, like, <laughs> most people shouldn't say yes just to getting on a plane within 48 hours. But, uh, but you know, yeah. I was like, oh, what, what have I got to lose? <laughs> wow. Okay. No, when you was... said unpredictable, this is what you mean by unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that all happened so quick. Like I say, it was, it was within a week and then, you know, having to decide what goes into a bag that you're going to keep for the next six months. Like, ah, this is, this, this is a skill in and of itself. How, how do you pack up in 48 hours, everything that you're going to need for the next six months? I'm, I'm just like curious. Okay. So, you know, 
you've you've auditioned, you kind of mm. undenied a bit, but you're like, all right, you know, I'm just going to push it through. Yeah. You pushed it through. You weren't expecting it. Bam, you're like, you got the role. You're like, oh, okay, shit, am I going to accept it? And you're like, yes, now you're on a plane. Now you're on a plane. Okay, you've landed. You've landed. <laughs> and then you, do you find out your role straight away? Like, do you meet the cast members? Like, what what happens? I didn't know where I was being taken to. I didn't know where I was living. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I thought I was going to oh be in gosh. London. It turns out that we were all... So this is the entire cast. All of us were basically living together in this little town about an hour and a half outside of London. Like, in my head, I was like, okay. Ooh, where would I want to be? I like, I, I like, I like <laughs> you know, Soho. I like... I like you know, the, 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 the west of London. I like no, but I really like Hackney and that. I was thinking all of this out loud to the driver, and he was just laughing. I'm like, no, mate, I'm taking you to St Albans. I'm like, oh, St Albans, like, where's that? And I'm look, like looking on my phone. I'm like, uh, are you sure? Because that doesn't look like London. And he was like, and you're like oh, hard beating. Like, like, am I in the right? Like, am I getting murdered? Is that what? Yeah, is that this what is literally that. That's why I'm baffled. I'm like, this is like the start of some thriller or horror movie. <laughs> How do you know oh, that you're man. safe? Or you're just kind of like, yeah, whatever, take me. It's fine. Yeah, it's all right. You. Marvel that's got it, me. That's it. Just, just go. Just go and see, see where this wild ride, where, where it takes you for sure. <laughs> hey, I still have all my organs. I'm, I'm still intact. Okay, okay. that's good. Yeah, yeah. Are you well, sure? 100% sure. Happy, yeah, are you sure? End, happy end to that story. We did, we did actually make a movie and you can see it. Uh, <laughs> <It's okay. out>. <laughs> <laughs> Remind me, what's it called again? Yeah, what was that movie? Uh, was uh, uh, Sp- Spider-Man. <laughs> some, some, something from home. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Far from home, buy it on Blu-ray and DVD. <laughs> well, you d- you were definitely far from home. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that wraps up the first half of our wonderful conversation with Remy. If you liked what you listened to, please check out our podcast for the second half. We'll be uploading it in the next few weeks or so. And if you're listening to this a lot later on, then it should already be up there. So go check it out. Other than that, feel free to follow us on the socials. You can find us at unapologeticallyazn on Instagram. And if you could please leave us a rate and review, that'll be greatly, greatly appreciated. But yeah, exciting stuff. And we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye.